Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Julie DeLuca Collins. She is the founder and CEO of Go Confidently Services, the host of Casa De Confidence podcast, a best-selling author and a coach. Welcome, Julie. I am so happy to have you here. We've been working at this and trying to get this done for a little while. So it's awesome to finally have you here. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And Brad, thank you so much for your grace. I know that we kind of had to make it work and be a little flexible. (laughs) Life has happened to me as it does for most of us. And I appreciate the grace, but I'm excited to be here on your show. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here. So with that being said, let's jump right in. So as mentioned, you wear all of these hats. Julie, how long ago did you found Go Confidently Services? Officially, Go Confidently Services came about three years ago, but I think that it's probably been in my heart much longer than that. (laughs) And it's been in the works. And finally, at the beginning of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. like many of us, I pivoted because I was offered a separation package from the organization that I worked with. And I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. And I went ahead and I knew exactly that night I was laying in bed. And that's when I created my mission, my vision statement, had a semblance of a business plan laid out and I went to work the next day and this is how Go Confidently Services came about. Oh my gosh, all overnight? <laughs> you created- I, I, I'm telling you, it's been in my heart for a long time. I just needed that little shove to come out and to say, okay, it's time, let's do it. That's amazing. I love it. So Julie, being a serial entrepreneur or multi-passionate, I would love to know what does your morning routine look like? Okay. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with the morning routine. I have a really good morning routine. Okay. And typically that morning routine is the one that makes me very productive. And I love the quality and the solitude of my mornings. For many years, I told myself I was not a morning person. <laughs> And the alarm would go off and I would be one of those people that would snooze. And then I read Mel Robbins, 54321. I think I did it one day and then it didn't work for me after that. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) screw that. Who's counting down now? But then I realized that the morning routine really needed to start for me the evening before. And when I started to shift a little bit of what my evening before was like. And that's really when my morning routine starts. In the wintertime, Brad, I make my little cup of tea. In the summer months and when it's warm, I don't typically make a cup of tea, but I may, but I do have something that reminds me like, okay, it's time to start to quiet your mind. It's time to start. And I have a little reminder on my phone that goes off and says, hey, get ready for bed. And it shuts down my phone. Oh, so okay. that's a really good thing. I don't get notifications after 930. I really work hard at not being that person that is reading or, or reading on the internet or reading online or being on TikTok, which is by the way, addictive. So sometimes yes. I'm not very good at that. And I do try to read and I have a journal that I keep is the stoic journal. I've been okay. journaling my whole life. It's on my phone though. So I yeah. do recap It'll ask me three, four questions and I'll recap my day. In the morning, the journal also asks me, hey, what is your focus for today? What do you want to do? In the morning, I try to get up. My husband goes to work at the crack of dawn, but I try to get up 
And on summer months, when it's very light in New England, I don't struggle with seasonal affective disorder. So that's why I say my morning routine tends to be better on these months. So I get up, I make my cup of coffee, I let the dogs out, and then I come and I have a little Zen Den where it's east facing. So the sun is coming up. It's a very sunny, fun room. And that's where I do my journaling. I meditate for a little bit and I may read for a little bit or, you know, something that is really connecting me to me, to my goals. But again, if you're asking me this question in December, when it's very dark here, it's hard for me and I'll try to get up, I'll try to get myself, but I do work at incorporating some of these, either the journaling or the meditating to really ground me. Because without that, I really feel like I'm not showing up as I should. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Julie? It's very interesting you're asking that today. (laughs) Oh, okay. I love this. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Well, I've been reading a lot of different things on happiness lately. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really was thinking about and really within my journaling, I've been motivated a lot extrinsically for many years. Oh, I need to get that promotion. Oh, I need to get to the next level and really looking for that success factor. And I did it for so many years that it was so automated. But I think that what I found was that once I reached the goal, oh, okay, great. Awesome. Let's go to the next one. And what I find is that in the last few years, I'm more motivated intrinsically, more motivated with that deep mission of legacy, deep mission of living in a purposeful way, deep mission of doing the things that I do in my business. Yes, I'd like to make a good living. Yes, I'd like to be able to travel. Yes, I'd like to do a lot of different things, but mostly I'm motivated because I was told that to those much given, much is expected when I was little. And I believe that I've been so fortunate to be able to learn so much from individuals. And my life has really changed that I want to be able to create that ripple effect on the lives of others. That is one of the things that really motivates me now. I see the women that I was maybe 10 years ago, Uh and I know that it's not an easy spot. Sometimes we're really unkind to ourselves and we're trying to chase that shiny new thing without getting the satisfaction. So I'm motivated to be able to help them really build the life that they dream and be proud of themselves and happy and know that this is where they're meant to be. It really is an incredible feeling to be able to give back and impact another person's life in a positive way and show them what's capable, what's possible Mm -hmm. for them or what they're capable of. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, incredibly fortunate to be in this space, but I really have seen that lately, that extrinsic motivation tends to be more because we're not feeling enough in our own skin and we want to achieve. and, And a lot of that extrinsic brings us what we feel others want from us or expect of us, where the intrinsic motivation that now motivates me is a little more lasting. And I love being in the spot. And by the way, not perfect in any way or means, but certainly part of the process. Life is messy and it's Mm -hmm. okay to feel into that. And for things to be messy, you can't be perfect. It's not Mm -hmm. possible. There is no such thing as perfection. So enjoy the process, enjoy the ride and enjoy the mess. Absolutely. And by the way, we run away from mess. Yeah. Because we don't want people to think we're messy. We don't want people to think we don't got it to don't have it together. <laughs> we don't got it together. We don't got it together. <laughs> See? Messy. Yes, exactly. It, it, and the mess is okay. Embrace yeah. your mess. Embrace your mess. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So you alluded t- briefly to your life before entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what you were doing for a living before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? Sure. So I went to school for education and I began my career as a preschool teacher, pre-K teacher. And I loved it, but I knew that there was something more for me again, that extrinsic motivation. (laughs) One, probably make enough money to pay my rent. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> <laughs> sadly, teachers don't get paid what they're worth. So I was recruited by an educational company because one, I had retail experience and I also had the teaching experience and they put me in charge. I don't know how this happened, but they put me in charge of one of their learning centers. And I loved it. I love the ability to be able to make an impact in the lives of students that needed it, that needed that extra support and tutoring. Also help families. I also worked with supervising and training and, and coaching teachers in the learning center. And I was really good at it. The one thing that I found is that this company, they had, it is a franchise company. They had over 400 stores nationwide. I was lucky enough to be working in one of the company owned centers. Okay. So there was a lot of competition. And the first year I was with a company, we went to Atlantic City for the national conference and they gave awards out to the mm. best performing centers. Sadly, my center, as I had taken over, was the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so I asked one of the co-founders of the company, I said, mm. how do I get on that stage next year? And she told me, she said, relationship, create relationships. And that's exactly what I did. Not only was I on that stage that year, but I began climbing the corporate ladder. Soon I was out of the center training and coaching other center owners. And then they took me into, I was supposed to be going into the training department to go nationally and be one of their trainers. However, I had really good relationships with superintendents and school districts and the school districts in all of New York, Metro New right. York. I had gotten these relationships. It happened to be at the same time that the VP of business development was expanding the company offerings to partner with school districts. So it became an easy enough. He needed someone to come and help him do that. So I started to work under him when I was promoted into the corporate office rather than going into training okay. and working under him. I learned business development, how to be able to set up a brand new business, how to be able to outreach, go after contracts, expansion plans, et cetera. And then when we started to set up this new business line for the company, I started to learn operations. How do you operate? So that's what I did. And then for many years, I was in the education industry. I worked for that company for over 10 years. And then I moved to another company that did very similar work. And I helped to expand their company out of New York into California, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Florida. So we did a lot of extensive work. Oh, Texas was actually one of our largest contracts. And okay. I did a lot of business development and really grew. And, and I grew with that company. I was a VP of training and operations. And then I became the chief innovation officer for that organization in wow. which I oversaw not only the business development, but I also oversaw how do we execute it on those contracts that we had with school districts nationwide. You got a very well-rounded <laughs> education in business. I mean, learning all the different facets and pieces of it. But I love that you said that the relationships are the most important part. And I don't think enough people realize the importance of relationships, not only in business or entrepreneurship, but also life. I mean, ah, 100%. we're not meant to do this life alone. We're not meant to do entrepreneurship alone, no. and nor can we do either of those things alone. We have to surround ourselves with like-minded people, build those relationships. Those are the relationships of the foundation for all of it. Yeah. Brad, you cannot be more right. The one thing that people take for granted is that as humans, we crave connection. Yeah. That is one of our intrinsic needs. And when we deny ourselves being able to connect with others, then we really live in this very lonely space. And by the way, loneliness has been proven to end your life earlier. Yeah. People die much earlier when you're feeling lonely and alone. Connection is going to be the one thing. And by the way, after service, it is one of my most important value and priority in my business. I actually have the sign up there behind me. <laughs> yes, I and see. It says connection. <laughs> and it reminds me daily. Connection. Prior to coming to speak to you, I had a great conversation with a brand new person that someone said, hey, you and Julie should connect. And from these connections, by the way, if you are not in your business connecting with others or finding how to connect others to each other. You're missing a, a big component that can help to support your dreams, but more importantly, create this wonderful universe where we are all helping and supporting one another. 
It is my belief, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, that this is one of the biggest pieces or parts of why we're all here on this planet is to support, (laughs) lift, and cheerlead each other. That's what we're here for. Love it. We have to. Yeah. And it's not that much of an effort, by the way. No. So I'm going to give you like a quick little tip. And I know that this may not be something we plan, but I keep a notebook at my desk and there is a sheet that typically when I'm meeting somebody and I say, oh, this is so nice. This is what you do. Great. Typically, this is how my mind works. I will immediately start to think of someone who they may be aligned with, but I make a list and I'll say, hey, Brad, you know, you would be a great person for so-and-so to Mm -hmm. meet. And actually, I just thought of somebody. So I'm going (laughs) to write it down. Well, actually, Um, as you're saying this, I've got a bunch of people that I want to connect you with. So so (laughs) I put your name and the person I want to connect you with on the list. And at the end of the week, that's what I work on. I send a bunch of email introductions. Hey, you should connect with my friend, Brad. This is why this is what he's doing. And really keep this connection currency going. I love that term connection currency. That is beautiful. I love it. Love it. Amazing. Beautiful, Julie. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. So how long now have you been working in the entrepreneurial world as a coach? So as a coach, I've been working here for three years officially. Obviously, I did a lot of networking and a lot of coaching Even before I started my business, I was working in some of the colleges and universities as a mentor and coach, as a volunteer, and really loved some of the work that I was doing there. I also had been asked in 2019 to be a part of the Governor's Council for Women and Girls here in Connecticut. So I've done some coaching and connecting again through that, but officially in my business for three years. And it has been been doing it a lot longer. It's just part of who you are. Yeah, I guess so. It's up to true in me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches, have been through their own personal struggles and journeys mm-hmm. before making the leap into coaching. I mean, we've all been through our shit. Every, mm-hmm. We're human beings. We've all had our shit to deal with. But what I found, though, is that for a lot of the women I'm speaking with who are now coaches, their personal struggles or journeys were the catalyst for them jumping into the world of becoming a coach. Would you mind mm-hmm. sharing a little bit about your own personal journey? you were on before leaping into the coaching world? You know, such a good question. I believe I am my best client. (laughs) I know I am my best client. I just don't only believe that. (laughs) I started my journey because I have a friend and I met her, believe it or not, in 2009 in the Weight Watcher boards. I wanted to lose weight and I was on Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. And there was this sassy blonde woman who very tell it like it is. And I thought, oh, she lost a hundred pounds. That's great. So we became friends and she said, Hey, I have a blog. I have a membership. She used to charge, I'm going to say $4.99 a month mm-hmm. back then oh, or $2.99. It was $2.99 a month. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be part of this little thing. And over the years, I was part of her universe and she moved from whatever board she was using to, to Facebook and loved it. In 2016, she got certified as a coach. And was very instrumental in helping me get into a a really great, not just coaching me for weight loss health, but she started coaching me really on some of the mindset and some of the thought work. And I thought, oh, wow, this is like, how come I didn't know this before? And it started to really shift for me. I then, when I went through my divorce from my first marriage, I started to also go to therapy and started to work with a coach and realized what an impact for my career and my personal life this was making. So 2017 is when I decided to go for my first coaching certification and that was in holistic coaching. And I loved it because I really learned a lot about the brain. I really learned about cognitive distortions. Cognitive behavioral techniques is really what we covered on that. And then I went for a secondary cognitive behavioral techniques. Again, only thinking of how I can help myself and how I can become better at my right. job and my career and my relationships. And that's how it all started. When I launched my business, obviously I had these certifications, but I was really, like I said, intending to work with corporate executives possibly. But as I started to see the need first in my own business, Because there's no roadmap for your business. No one tells you, hey, when you're going to launch your own and go out on your own as an entrepreneur, there might be people that say do this second, third, fourth, fifth. And then there's so many different things and everybody teaches you something different. And then you see these celebrity entrepreneurs that are making gazillion dollars and they're using really fancy tech. And you're just like, 
oh my gosh, I, I don't even think I can afford $50 a month and like a thousand. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. So from that, I realized, wait a minute, I know how to run a business. Number one, that was a turnaround from my business. When I started to run my business like a business and not a hobby. Number two, when I stopped comparing to other people and saying, I'm going to do that because this celebrity entrepreneur is doing that. That was a big turning point. So I started to coach myself into how to run my business more efficiently and more organized and really creating a roadmap. So now that I can replicate and that I use with others. Now, again, the other entrepreneurs that I work with are the ones that maybe have been making money here and there, but not consistently. And they're not running their business like a business. So I'm teaching them to create a sustainable business that brings them the income, allows them to have the freedom for their lives. And then they're not feeling overwhelmed and oversaturated by all the content and information that is out there. I love that. And I love that you talked about the comparison piece, because as we know, comparison is the thief of joy. And as entrepreneurs, that's I know that's something that I got stuck in the first yeah. couple of years. And it's a hard nut to crack. Yeah. It's hard to get out of that comparison mindset. But once you do, it is so freeing. It is yeah. unbelievable. It is incredibly freeing. But I will tell you that again, the way that our brain works, we are going to always, I had, I was doing something on Saturday and I found myself comparing myself and going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So it's something that you need to learn to be aware of, neutralize the thought, create something that normalizes that this happens, right? It happens to all of us and then create your action after that. Absolutely. Very good point. Because it will crop back up. We're human mm. beings and yeah. we're going to go through that. It's just a matter of learning to, I think, turn the volume down quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Which is oh, key. 100%. Yep. How have these experiences helped shape the Julie you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? The experiences that I have are things that I wouldn't trade for anything, specifically because the difficulties, the pain, the self-doubt have allowed me to really dig a little deeper and have allowed me to question, is that true what I'm saying to myself? Is that real? And really, anybody can tell you, no, it's not real. It's not true. You're wonderful. You're this. You can do it. You can have a lot of people believe in you. But self-belief is something that only you can craft for yourself. So those experiences help me figure it out. Those experiences help me also embrace my imperfection and embrace my broken parts. You know, you're asking me, what's my morning routine? Again, if you ask me in, in January, in the middle of winter, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'm like, oh, I got to get up. I got to get yeah. It's very difficult for me. But I embrace that. I don't hide that because that's part of who I am. And that's part of the process that I work through. So it allows me to be more empathetic for myself and others. That's important. Having yeah. the self-empathy, but the self-awareness piece is so key. Thank you for sharing that, Julie. Yeah. What would you say then has been your biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson through your experiences? I think my most valuable takeaway is that we have an opportunity to show up today. We cannot, and by the way, the past is there, but like my mentor and friend says, the past is your teacher. And I think that's been one of the most valuable things, but more so the past being your teacher, your future is the most important thing that you can craft today without, yes, think about where you want to be, but stop focusing on I'm not there yet. Because the moment that you start to focus on the gap that is between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow, then you're not going to make progress forward. So it Absolutely. is important to stay and celebrate where you are today and say, wow, I didn't know how to walk yesterday. And today I could stand. I'm not walking yet, but I'm standing. And those are the little wins. Those are the little things that continue to help us give momentum. Stop worrying about whether you're going to run that one minute mile because it's not going to be helpful to you. I love this. You're dropping truth bombs everywhere, Julie. I love this. <laughs> the celebration part is so important though, because yeah. I find that as not only entrepreneurs, but as human beings, we get so caught up in this hustle culture bullshit and crossing things off the to-do list that it's just, okay, that, that, that check, check onto the next thing. No, yeah. slow down, take the time mm -hmm. to celebrate. Hey, I accomplished three things today off my list. Let's yeah. celebrate that. Let's revel in that. I did good today and we Absolutely. need to do that. 
Absolutely. I learned the concept and I adopted this. I don't know if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin. I've heard the name. her. And this is going back. It's one of her earlier podcasts, but she talks about the concept of the ta-da list rather than the to-do list. And by the way, as soon as I heard that, I was hooked because (laughs) how many of us create that to-do list? And at the end of the day, we maybe didn't get to any of it. And then Mm -hmm. that creates that wah-wah, look at me, I didn't do it. And the reality is that our brain changes. And, and and by the way, one of my certifications that I've gotten in the last couple of years is Tiny Habits Certification. And okay. Dr. BJ Fogg, who is the author of the book, Tiny Habits, he is the founder of the Behavior Lab at Stanford University. He teaches that we change, our brain changes when we feel good, when we feel good, Brad. So when we make a ta-da list and our brain sees like, oh, look at everything I did. Yay. And we give ourselves credit. Your brain is going to want to replicate the goodness that you did and do it all over again or do more consistent action. Whereas if you look at your list and say, I didn't do anything. I'm terrible. I can't believe I suck. Whatever it is you want to tell yourself, then it's easier to spiral down. So I want to encourage listeners, make an evidence book. I have a note, it's called evidence. And anytime that I accomplish something, anytime that I do something, I'm like, I did it. I'm going to write it down because sometimes you just need to remind yourself of the things that you can do, you have done to inspire you to keep going. And not only does that do good for us, but also when we take the time to slow down and celebrate the people around us see that we're celebrating, which then creates the ripple effect, which also gives them permission or is the permission slip for them to celebrate their wins as well. I love that. The permission slip. So good. Talk about (laughs) another person dropping good things in here. (laughs) Julie, what is it that sets you and the work you do as a coach apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you or someone else? You know, there's a lot of coaches that want to motivate and inspire. There's a lot of coaches that do some really tremendous good work. I worked with many of them, either as a client or as a coach. But the one thing that sets me apart is that, yes, you're going to be motivated. Yes, you're going to be inspired. Yes, I'm going to hold you accountable. There's going to be a lot of that. But the one thing that I want people to walk away with when they work with me is that they are enough and they have the confidence to do their thing, whatever their thing may be. Maybe you're building tables. I have clients that have brick and mortar. I have a client that has a bakery. I have a client that has a gym. I have clients that are in the online space. I have clients that are big executives. Yes, I can teach you tools. I can teach you habits. I can show you what to use and give you that roadmap to build your business. But I want you to know that you are enough and that it's not Julie telling you, but it's the deep part of you having that intrinsic knowledge that you are it and you can do it and you have the confidence to do it. And that's what sets me apart from other coaches. Love it. Beautiful. What, in your opinion, is the most important quality or skill set in a coach? Being able to use our two ears. (laughs) (laughs) We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah, And by the way, I'd like to talk. (laughs) So that's something that I remind myself because sometimes when we're talking And yes, I can come up with really cool things to say in a conversation, but the most meaningful that I can do is to give someone the gift of me listening to what they have to say, because maybe what they're going to say is something they needed to say. They've never been able to say it before, or they haven't even heard themselves say it. And this is their time. So as a coach, I encourage all of us to Ask the right questions and pay attention to the answers. And by the way, when your coachee, when your client speaks and they're done, sometimes it's not about what to say next, but it's about holding the space for what has been said. Love that. Another truth bomb. There we go. (laughs) Julie, you're dropping them all over the place. I'm going to have to come back to this episode. (laughs) And it's probably going to create my Instagram content for a year. (laughs) (laughs) You're really good at asking good questions, Brad. Thank you very much. Well, you're very good at dropping truth bombs. So there you go. (laughs) It's a two-way street here, Julie. Oh, well, I love it. I love it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the coaching industry 
current status. Through conversations that I've had with multiple women who work in the industry as coaches, I'm finding that a lot of the women don't like to use the word coach. They'd rather Mm -hmm. use guide or mentor. And I think a lot of that comes from the bad rep that the coaching industry is currently getting where you've got these coaches who are promising other people who want to be coaches, I can make you a a six-figure coach in in three months, but give me $10,000 and I'll make that happen for you. What are your thoughts on the current status of the coaching industry? So many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) So this is not a unique thought. And this is something that did make me pause. I've read it probably in a Facebook group with many women entrepreneurs. I heard somewhere the coaching industry currently is what maybe 10 years ago, the MLN industry was, the multi-level marketing. And, you know, people say, oh, I'm a coach. And then people start running the other way, right? Right. I'm hearing that. I I have not experienced that. And maybe because in my own naiveness, I just go about my business doing me, which by the way, it's something that I work at every day. Do you put your blinders on, stop focusing on the other lanes that people are in? But I do believe that, and this may be because of my education background and where I come from a highly regulated industry in some ways. And I think that right now the coaching industry is not regulated. Now, by the way, I've had coaches that never went for official coaching training and have been freaking phenomenal. But at the same time, I think that we have to start to really define what is a coach? What is a mentor? What is a consultant? And ultimately, I think that it it seems like it's an easy thing to do, but it really isn't. If you want to create lasting change for somebody, you really have to have your systems down. You really have to know what you're trying to accomplish for them. And the other thing is we need to stop competing because there might be some overlaps in what I do and somebody else does. But ultimately, I'm going to be the right choice for the person that needs someone like me. Someone with my business experience, with my expertise in communication, and there is a lot to be desired still. And by the way, I saw something earlier today, someone that I'm friendly with, someone who I've done some collaborations with, she actually has been training on something and has been coaching on something and she went and she trademarked it. It just so happens that now everybody's kind of jumping in that bandwagon and they're offering the same thing. Okay. And I think that this goes back to what's happening in the coaching industry, that we need to create some boundaries to, I don't know, regulate or mm-hmm. to, and this is why some of the organizations that are out there, again, not an easy answer because sometimes you just get, you know, I'm a member of XYZ and that's just a seal of approval and it doesn't say anything about your credentialing, right? Right. No one can pass the bar and be not such a good a lawyer or yeah. such an ethical lawyer. So it yep. happens in every industry. But I think that for people who are questioning, well, everybody's a coach now, find out who is it that they've worked with? What is the difference that they've made? And what can they show for what they do? And by the way, if you're entering into business, not everybody has to make six figures. Maybe you're just trying to make extra money to pay for your child's dance class. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And don't let someone sell you on, on the big dream that may not be your dream. There it's you go. important. Yeah, for sure. Julie, you've been recognized for the work you do as an advocate for women and women's empowerment with awards, acknowledgement. Can you talk in a bit more detail about more of the work and, and the awards received for the work as an advocate for women and what those accolades mean to you? Well, as many individuals who receive an award, first of all, I thought they were joking. I'm like, what are you trying to sell me? <laughs> it's like, one, because I tend to do the work because I was brought up by women. I, it was a predominance in my life. My grandmother, she was born at the turn of the century. She's probably, along with my mom, one of the most influential women in my life. My grandmother instilled in me that one service to, again, connection, being able to give back. And the work that I do for women is because I was taught that if I have a gift, I should share it. Number two, even though my mom was very educated, she is an incredibly smart woman. She undersold herself. And growing up, I saw that. When my mom, she bounced from job to job and never 
God paid what she was worth, even though she was working more at times than her male counterparts. Or she would do the work and her male counterparts would take the work, right? And this is not a male bashing statement, but it would happen. And then when my mom turned a certain age, the narrative became, well, I cannot get to the next level in my career because I'm too old. And yes, my mom is a boomer, right? But Mm -hmm. I realized that I never wanted to, for myself, be defined by an age. I never wanted to not feel like I could measure up because I'm a woman. I also have seen the difference that it makes in local communities when women are educated, contributing, because the reality is that there's a lot of households out there that are single family homes headed by a woman. So Mm -hmm. if we educate them, if we give them these open opportunities, they are going to be able to then in turn show by example to their children what is possible, continue to invest into other businesses and the community itself is going to better themselves. And guess what? We're also dealing with the primary person who is caring for children that is creating a better mentality for these children better self-esteem, self-awareness, community connections, relationship building. So I am so passionate about helping women get to the next level. One, because I had that, that someone was able to breathe that belief into me, not only from my mom, inspired by my mom experience, you know, my grandmother, but also I had a terrific dad who, by the way, is where Go Confidently Coaching came about. He's the first one who told me, honey, you can do anything you set your mind to. Go confidently. That's a quote from Henry Mm -hmm. David Thoreau. And that's how I name my business. So I know that not every woman has had the benefit of what I've had. So for that reason, I want to continue to help them. And if somebody else notices what I am doing, it's not a great Julie, but it's more of like somebody else is going to see that there's work to do. And I'm hoping that others can come alongside of me and help with the work because they themselves have gifts that the people who we are serving are looking for and need. We are all here with gifts. We are all sent to this place with gifts or gift. And Like you said, it is, I believe, our obligation and our duty to share those gifts with the world. They're not for you. They're for the world. And it is your responsibility to share that gift or gifts with the world. You are not to hold them back. They're not for you. A hundred percent. Can you share one tip or habit that listeners can implement immediately so that they can start achieving some of their goals, get into that mindset of success and start achieving that confidence and- okay. This is my favorite one, and I cannot take credit for it. (laughs) But I will tell you, it has definitely changed my life tremendously. So from the Book of Habits of Dr. B.J. Fogg, this is what we call in the Tiny Habits Academy, the Maui Habit. And basically, the framework of a habit is you have to have the ability and the prompt to do something, because we're not always going to feel motivated, although motivation, ability, and prompt create new behaviors. So let's rely on your ability to do it and let's rely on your prompt. So in the mornings, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, some mornings are not my best mornings. (laughs) (laughs) The Maui habit consists of when I open my eyes in the morning, I will say to myself, it's going to be a great day. And I celebrate and I say, yay, or give myself a thumbs up or smile or something very basic that then encodes to my brain. That's a good thing. And by the way, starting the morning that way does make a difference for me. I will tell you, was it yesterday? I think yesterday morning, I had a long night, Saturday night. I couldn't sleep. I was up, but I needed to get up early. And my husband was going to go golfing for the day, (laughs) but I needed to get up early And I remember when I heard him get up, I'm like, oh, I have to get up. So immediately (laughs) I put my foot in the ground and it just, you know, hey, it's going to be a great day. And guess what? I had a great day. I had a wonderful time. And sometimes we just need to start with a little bit of positivity as you're starting out, because sometimes that is the one thing that we can hang on to. Your brain is listening to what you're saying to it. So start slow, start tiny. And and if you're sitting, listening to us and you're like, oh, how's that going to make me a great person and have a 
positive mindset. Well, do it consistently. And then at night, go back and say, oh, let me see how I had a great day. And maybe your dog was throwing up and your dinner was burned. (laughs) You can think about, hey, I had a great conversation with this person today. Or you know what? There was a bird that flew out my window. I've never seen that bluebird for a long time. Start to recognize the good things. How was it a great day? And then that's going to start to give you some momentum for creating other things and stacking additional habits over that. Love that. Thank you for that tip. And I think it's very important. You mentioned it's work. You got to put in the work. You have to do it consistently. Consistency is so important so that it just becomes second nature and you just do it every morning. Once you start getting into that habit, it's just natural. It just flows. Absolutely. Hey, Brad, I have a thing and I need to put it on a t-shirt, but I (laughs) I like to tell people consistent action gets you traction. There you go. I love that. And if you don't, if you don't show up consistently, you're not going to see the result that you're going for. Yeah, for sure. Now, obviously mindset and confidence are going to play a big part in all of this. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to talk about the mindset thing a little bit with business struggles that go along with all of that. So often we see and hear from experts as yourself who have overcome adversity and transformed through the pain to discover their purpose, which of course is incredible and powerful. But I'd love to hear from you with all that you've been through and your struggles and your journeys and coming out the other side and What are some of the struggles that you now face today? And I know we've briefly touched on this already around mindset and imposter syndrome. Just because you've come out the other side does not mean that you're not going to struggle with these things from time to time, as we've mentioned. So can you share a little bit about that now and how you deal with those struggles when they pop up now as opposed to before? Yeah. One of the first things that definitely comes to mind is that imposter syndrome, again, is not something that we overcome. Imposter syndrome is something that we become more aware of and learn to manage. The other thing that I will say that in our business, when we start to climb to new levels, you will find different devils and you need to one, start to recognize what those things are. I will tell you, my husband and I work together. He never had any idea or any intent on becoming an entrepreneur. And he is an entrepreneur. He is co-owner of the business. He does a big part in helping us with the production services that we have for podcasting. The one thing that has come is that I have to learn to play nice for <laughs> the person I'm married to. <laughs> play nice. And by the way, because he is married to me, he also knows me the best. And there's times in which we have to have courageous conversations and I have to learn to listen again, because by the way, (laughs) I can listen to my clients. I'm a good listener to my clients, but to my husband, sometimes (laughs) when he's pointing out something that I don't like, and then I have to kind of internalize and make sure that I'm not, he was saying that so I can grow from it, not to bring me down, right? but also not for me to beat myself up. So it's a multiple thing that I have to work on. Like, okay, Julie, he told you you're saying a lot and that he's going to have to spend more time editing you when you're coming <laughs> a lot, right? So then I have to make sure, well, it's a growth opportunity. It's not a beat down. And how can I improve? Yeah. How can I improve as opposed to, and that's, I'm giving you a very small example, but I think that happens a lot in this new space, right? We have the business that's up and running. It's going well. We're moving ahead. We've had some setbacks as any business, but also being able to plan and forecast what you're going to do and anticipate that. So making sure that, you know, my dad used to say perfect previous planning prevents problems. And that's the one thing that we adopt a lot, because if I know we're going away this week, right? So I had to previously plan so that the week would continue to go in the way that it needs to for the business. So that's the one thing that I continue to work on. And when failures come and things don't work, it's how fast you can get up. And keep going as opposed to sitting in the pity party. And by the way, I used to sit in pity parties for a long time. (laughs) I used to sit, my friend calls it the dirty diaper. I used to sit in that dirty (laughs) diaper a long time. (laughs) Now I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. Okay, let's do it and, and, and keep going. 
as mentioned, and we've said it at the beginning, you're a podcast host. Can you share a little bit about your podcast, the title, what it's about? Is it interview style, solo, a mix of both? And what inspired the starting of a podcast for you? So the name of the podcast is Casa de Confidence. And it's kind of like our little child. The way that the podcast came about is on March 24th, First is when I was offered my little separation package from my business. (laughs) 2020 pandemic, we were a week into the lockdown. And of course, as we talked about, I started my business right away. I really thought at that time that we were going to be in this lockdown thing, maybe a couple weeks. Yeah. And I was very excited because I was looking forward to my birthday, April 26th, which I had been planning a big birthday party for myself. I was turning 50 and I Mm -hmm. thought, my gosh, I'm going to go out loud because I am social and I love that. And as I was planning this birthday party along with launching my business, my infinite wise husband thought, huh, she's doesn't realize we're going to be in this lockdown. <laughs> and she's not going to be able to have this party. So one day Amazon came to visit and had podcasting equipment. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? And he said, well, you're starting a podcast. And I thought... <laughs> I am. He's like, you've always talked about doing a podcast. You wanted to do a podcast. I think this is the perfect time. And the first thing that I thought is, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And he said, well, why don't you talk about something you're passionate about? I'm like, well, I could talk about confidence. And really the thought that came about is I wanted to share the stories of incredible women. For instance, I'm looking, nobody can see it on camera, but across from me is a picture of my friend Chelsea, who was my first guest. My friend Chelsea is a young mom. She's in her 30s and she's adopted five kids after struggling with infertility and having many challenges. She started to get sick, but they weren't really sure what was going on with Chelsea. And she was misdiagnosed with MS. And finally, they got the right diagnosis, but she started to lose her eyesight. And as she started to lose her eyesight, she started to also paint. So for the most part, Chelsea is almost, if not legally blind right now, but she is a very prolific, gorgeous artist. And the picture that sits in front of me reminds me that, you know, despite the challenges that we may have in our life, because by the way, now she is the face of this very obscure disease. She has her paintings and beautiful galleries all over the United States. She charges thousands of dollars for her paintings, but nobody knows. Everybody can see the successful person from the outside, but nobody knows the struggles and the stuff that it took for her to get there. So I wanted to create a show where people can come in and listen to the backstory because if people are going to compare themselves, which is what we do, they're going to go to Chelsea's Instagram and see the beautiful mom with beautiful kids in this nice house with a dog and the husband and the beautiful paintings. But I want people to see the back. So because confidence is normalizing that we're not perfect, that we don't have it together. And I wanted to have this conversation in the safety of a home, which is our home. And my husband at that point, when he got the podcasting equipment, I said, well, if I am doing this, you're doing this with me, (laughs) which he was going to have to do anyway, because he is the editor. If I had to be editing a podcast, I don't know what I would be doing. (laughs) We'd still be trying to launch. So we launched on my 50th birthday of 2020. And since then, we continue to bring conversations with incredible, I call them confident dreamers, people who've had a dream, who have gone confidently in the direction of their dreams, despite whether they felt confident or not. And we want to normalize how people get there. Now, soon after we launched the podcast, the other thing is I realized that there's a lot of really cool dudes out there like you, Brad. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. (laughs) So I needed to also bring the stories of some confident women and cool dudes who are going (laughs) confidently. And again, Casa de Confidence is the show. Love it. Yes, it was an absolute honor and pleasure being on your show and amazing conversation there too. As with you, I mean, just it's always good conversation. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Now, you're also a best-selling author. Can you share with us a little bit about the book you wrote, what it's all about, what inspired you to write the book? Yeah. So the book, I always said I was going to write a book in high school. And since then, I've kept a journal. I originally had no intention of writing a book at this 
point in my life. It was one of those, oh, someday. But it just so happened things kind of fell in place. I started to talk to someone about my journal that I kept when I was in Spain. And they said, hey, you should write a book. This is very good. They read it and they made an introduction to somebody to help get me published. And then I started to, not that person, but I worked with somebody else. And I said, well, I want to write this book. And I told them the title and they said, oh, that's so great, but that's not your first book. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so in working with uh, Epic Publisher, the publisher that I worked with, they helped me really define what is it that I wanted to talk about. And we know that, again, the message of confident. And for me, the habits that I have come from the influence and the support from other incredible individuals who taught me what I know, who helped me become who I am. And I know, again, not everybody is going to have the ability to maybe meet my grandmother or meet my dear friend and founder of the company that I worked for who passed away. But these influential people made such a mark in my heart and life and helped me become who I am. I wanted to share the lessons that I got from them on how to be more confident and how to create the right habits to help help you be more successful in your life. So that's what the book is about. And you can read it in order. You can read as, you know, different stories, whichever one captures your attention. But really, I wanted to be able to share that story. So Confident You is the simple habits to live the life you have imagined through the stories of the individual stories and lessons of the individuals that have impacted me. Beautiful. Well, we'll put the link to the book in the show notes for when your episode is released so that people Thank can you. pick that book up. Julie, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? One of the biggest lessons that I learned that has probably been the best lesson is failure is an option and failure is a teacher. It is not a defeat. And I spend so much time trying not to fail or hide my failures from myself and from others that I never learned the lessons that made me better. And I think that we live in a world in which we want to show the nice house. We want to show the everything, but we really have to be okay that failure is that process, part of the process, part of the entry you want to play the game, you got to fail along the way. And if you're not going to, then you're not going to learn how to do it well. Love that. Failure is important. It, it's our teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. And we have to see it as that and not right. a bad thing. I think it's a positive thing. It's a good thing that you fail because that's how you're going to learn. I was told as a little girl, I had a nanny. And by the way, that's nanny probably has cost me more money in therapy. <laughs> she told me, you know, you're the oldest. You have to set a good example for your sisters. You have to be really good and perfect. And I just kept thinking to be perfect, I have to do this. And I have to, I can't show that I, there, there's cracks in my foundation or that there's this. And the more that we aspire to be that perfection and not acknowledge that we're failing somewhere, we're never going to learn enough to become who we're meant to be. Beautiful. So powerful. I love it. Julie, it's just they keep coming. <laughs> Holy shit. That's a good thing we're recording on a Monday. You got me fresh. <laughs> I am grateful for that. <laughs> no, I am grateful to you. This has been so fun. You, I love this interview. My gosh, very thoughtful questions. Well thought Thank out. You. Thank you. Julie, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? My superpower is probably, for those of you who are familiar on the DISC profile, and the DISC has four intersections, the dominant, the extrovert, influential person, the supportive or the conscientious person. I am a D, which is very dominant. I am the one who will raise her hand first and say, okay, let's do it. I don't care how, but let's just get it done with and get the project moving. That's one of the things that has always helped me. I am the oldest. I am the firstborn. I'm very, I call it assertive. Some people call it bossy. I don't know. <laughs> so that, take that charge kind of woman. Has, yep. I'm definitely that. But I love surrounding myself with people. I'm very, again, 
again, they call it influential in the disc is the I personality. I'm 99 and 99, okay. which that helps me a lot. If you are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a seven, which is the one that suffers from FOMO. So that has also helped me not because I want what other people want, but also to remind me that, oh, you know what? I do want that, but why mm-hmm. is that important to me? So those things have helped me throughout my life tremendously. And knowing, by the way, that those are my tendencies has helped me because, for instance, knowing that I am the take chart, you know, run over people kind of person, <laughs> I've had to learn, for instance, like someone like my husband on the disc, who is a supportive and a conscientious person, that I cannot run over him, that I need to, and, and I'm just saying my husband, but there's other people, right? Yeah. Some people need more details that I could care less about. It's important <laughs> to have those. Some people need to be able to cross the T's and dot the I's. Again, to me, let's just do it. But those people surrounding myself with people like that have helped me a lot. And that's been a really true gift in my career, in my coaching practice, in my business, and ultimately too in my personal life. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does success mean to you? Success is going to bed at night and feeling good about the type of day that you had. And not just whether money came into your bank account or you had a great conversation with your client, but success is being at peace with who you were and how you showed up for the day. Success is knowing that you had an intention for your life for the day and that you made every effort to be that and go after that intention. So that to me is success. And by the way, it's always nice when the ripple effect from that comes and you do have the money in your bank account, you're able to travel or you're able to take time off and have the freedom that so many of us lack because we're not living intentionally. Love that. Thank you. What aspect of your personality, Julie, do you think has been the most helpful in your career? Probably the fact that I am pretty personable. (laughs) And that sounds wrong, but I'm friendly. I'm going to speak to anybody. I love if you're standing in line next to me, be be ready to be my friend. (laughs) And I think that has helped me and has helped me because there's things that I've been you know, for instance, in my career, asked to do or placed or raised my hand to do it, but I wasn't sure how. I found a friend. I found someone to help me. And I think that's the key that we don't have to do it alone. We have to find the right support system. And I'm always looking for someone who can come alongside of me and we can help each other as we go along. That support system is key for sure. We all need that as we spoke about earlier. It's you can't do this alone and nor are you meant to. Yeah, absolutely. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Julie? Empowerment. That's a word that I hear a lot these days. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot, but I think empowerment to me, it's definitely evolved. I think for me now, it's about going inward, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, knowing what your values are and living there in that space, not in somebody else's definition, not in somebody else's expectation. And power is being in your definition of what your life should be like, living in the space of what you know you want for your life, surrounding yourself with the people that matter and mean the world to you and living there. And that's being empowered not about the expectations of the outside world. Yes. So we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions should be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. okay? You got it. (laughs) You got this. You're going to do good. All right. How would you describe yourself in one word? Courageous. What is your favorite self-care practice? Stop and smelling the roses. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Yoga. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Confidence. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Traveling. I mean, (laughs) the experiences that traveling brings you. Yes, for sure. Because you can go somewhere but not have the experiences. Absolutely. You can, I think about this quite a bit with travel. You can read about these places in a book or someone can tell you about them, but it doesn't compare to the actual experience of being there, the people you meet, the experiences you have, the Mm -hmm. smells, the tastes, like it's just, absolutely, it's incredible. 
go walk in a strange city and meet some strangers. It's going to be the most profound experience you can have. Absolutely. What makes you happy or brings you the most joy? Uh, between my husband and the dogs, it's a toss-up. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Although, you know, they're all males in this house. There you so go. It's like, oh boy, I'm the only girl. But no, <laughs> my husband brings me a lot of joy. He's the person that I can cry and laugh with no matter what. And then the dogs will just climb in my lap and either entertain me or cheer me up. There you go. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Public speaking is a must, whether you're going to get on a stage of a thousand people or you're just going to have the conversation with a stranger at a new city or in a networking event. It's important to be able to step outside of yourself. And I know a lot of people have fear of interacting with strangers, not talking, networking or speaking in public. But that's one of the skills that I think that everybody should have. And it has taught me that, again, you create those connections with others. What is one of the worst pieces of advice you've ever gotten? <sighs> one of the worst pieces of, of advice. Oh, I would say to buy this expensive software because all these other millionaire influencers have it and everybody is using it. And I think that in your business, just as in your life too, just because everybody's using it doesn't mean that it meets your needs. The best tool you can use is the one that you will use. And if you don't like it or it's not easy or it's not within your reach, then don't make it happen just or work just because someone else told you to. I wasted a lot of time with that. What's something that you learned growing up that is apparently no longer true? That I have to be perfect, that I have to be the well-behaved, nice little girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of girls are taught, you just sit there and look pretty, keep your mouth shut, just yeah. be quiet. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I think that we have a voice for a reason and it doesn't have to be that you're going to be loud and scream, but it could be that you just use your voice. Yeah. Speak your truth. Yeah, absolutely. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? <sighs> Okay. And one surprise thing, and people have heard me talk a lot about this year, is trauma. I never thought I had trauma to deal with. But number one, everybody has trauma. Uh -huh. Number two, there's a lot of things in my life. And I had a very good life. I had loving, caring adults throughout me, but that doesn't mean that I didn't suffer trauma. I, for the first 10 years of my life, I lived in a country that was going through civil war. So there's certain things that I don't do well with violent movies. No, thank you. But I never questioned that. And now understanding that the trauma is not just living in my brain, but lives in my body. That's been a very important lesson. And now I'm working through that and, and understanding it and not trying to fix myself, quote unquote, but trying to really heal myself. I like the distinction there because so often you hear people say this person needs to be fixed and that per no, nobody is broken. Mm, Not one no. single person on this planet is broken. You may need help, support, you need to heal, but you're not broken. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Nobody is broken. No. We're just people who are human. We yeah. live in a human experience. Yeah. If you had the opportunity, Julie, to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Okay. So this question probably would have been a very different answer a few months ago. However, I just read a book by Meg Watterson. Okay. It's called Mary Magdalene Revealed. So I think Mary Magdalene would probably be my answer right now, just because, and subsequently to that, I actually, you know, the gospel of Mary Magdalene has been uncovered and I've ordered it and I've started reading it. And it's definitely not accepted by Main Street Church. And I understand that, but some of the writings are beautiful. And if this was something that was inspired by her and what an incredible woman, because she had courage, whether or not, you know, and there's a lot of questions whether she was married to Jesus, friends with Jesus, prostitute. Not She was not a prostitute, which a lot of the history has been redone on that. But here's someone who was very courageous to be at the foot of the cross as someone who's being crucified like a criminal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're not going to show up when our friends are there. 
And I don't know if I could have been there, but I definitely would love to learn about her courage. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Stay consistent. Funny thing, I was just thinking about this the other day. I tried out for cheerleading in eighth grade and I dropped out. I never found out whether I was going to make it or not. I probably would have made it in Mm -hmm. retrospect, but I didn't because I compared myself to all the other girls. And I also was not consistent at at, at staying the course of what I wanted because I compared. Mm. So that would be the piece of advice because I think that 14-year-old girl needs to hear that. Lastly, Julie, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I just read a quote that said, you can be invited to the party, and, and this is as it relates to inclusion. You can be invited to the party, but inclusion is giving people the opportunity to dance at the party. Mm. And life is a party that we've been invited to. And what I want people to know is that have the courage and confidence to dance. Even if you're not dancing like everybody else around you, your dance is worth having. Your dance is unique to you. And by the way, you could be the next trendsetter. So get on that dance floor and just dance and enjoy that. Enjoy the ride. Beautiful. What a way to end the interview full of truth bombs and amazing inspiration. I love it. Julie, thank you so much for Mm -hmm. taking and making the time to be here with me today and for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your journey and the struggles that you've been through. I am so grateful and appreciative for you being here today. I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of our conversation. Lots of laughs and like I said, lots of truth bombs. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Brad, thank you so much for having me. I've had a really fun afternoon. I can't wait to (laughs) do something fun again. (laughs) And you're a great interviewer. I love your show. I love the work that you're doing. And I think that this is exactly what we need We need a space where we share these types of conversations. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Julie. That means the world to me. I appreciate you so very much. Oh, feeling is mutual. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Julie DeLuca Collins. She is the founder and CEO of Go Confidently Services, the host of the Casa de Confidence podcast, a best-selling author and a coach. Julie, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. You too. And don't forget, go confidently, Brad, which I know you're doing. (laughs) Thanks, Julie. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.